Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, and today I have a return guest. Her name is Elaine Mickman. She's a book author. She has written Court Gate, The Court's Divorced from the Law, and today she's got her book on a free promotion, so you might want to grab her book today. Uh, she had talked, we had talked about eight and a half years of litigation. The courts never divided the marital assets and only divided Elaine's family. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to also get into guardianship and divorce. And they had tried it twice with Elaine. And we're also going to talk about collateral and judicial immunity and the Hobbs Act. That's H-O-B-B-S Act. So we've got a lot to talk about. So welcome back, Elaine. Hi. Hi, Marianne. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Happy to be back. I'm glad you're back. So, you know, um, so tell us about your book being on the free promotion. Um, yeah. So today's November 7th. It's on another free ebook promotion. And even if it says, uh, you know, buy now with a click, it's actually free. Then the amount will be crossed out and it'll say zero to buy today. And that's the ebook. Okay, you, can read it, you can read it on computer or a phone or whatever device you have. It doesn't have to, you don't have to have a Kindle. Okay, gotcha. Well, that's mm -hmm. good to know too. I'm, I'm glad. Thank you for doing that. Um, tell us what happened with your divorce and this guardianship. This is kind of creepy. Well, you know, a lot of people don't realize uh, okay, so when you go through these divorces, that when about 5% of divorces end up being litigated in court. And I think I mentioned before, I was drafted. I didn't sign up for this. Um, I wanted to settle out and it's in, you know, documented in writing and so forth. But um, they drag you through these courts. You end up with nothing. But one of the, um, one of the tactics that are used, uh, and I know of uh, a few, several women that this has happened to, the court will uh, try to put a guardian on you as if you're an incapacitated person. And the, you know, the standard for that is very, very specific. You have to be a person who, um, you know, you can't care for yourself. Uh, you can't take care of your affairs. You have to be, you have to not have the capacity to take care of your affairs. It's not just if you make a bad choice. There's people who are substance abusers, they could be gamblers, um, mismanage your money, they are not the standards because they're choices. Um, and when I say, uh, I don't mean to offend a substance abuser who can't help themselves. I don't mean it like you chose that. I'm, you know, that's, I'm just saying it's not something where you, you are making the decision even if you have a problem. Um, whereas incapacity, Think of it more like someone's in a coma, <laughs> mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. somebody who has a, a major stroke. They just, they can't even eat themselves, use the bathroom themselves, things like that. Uh, you can't pay your bills. That's the, that's the standard. Um, so, but the other thing is that these guardianships, guardianship is determined in orphans court. Mm -hmm. There's no ability to file for this in the family court with the exception for someone who's already had a guardianship. So if somebody has previously had a circumstance or a guardianship in the past, 
uh, and then you end up in a divorce court, they can uh, try to reintroduce it if there's a reason. But other than that, not for a regular person. So there, it's being misused and abused to rob assets. And typically what I've seen happen is with the women that I know of, they'll put a guardian on for no reason. Some of them are threatened and said, well, we'll let you stay in your house if you let us put a guardian on. Or, you know, they do some sneaky, some sneaky way, threaten a woman or just put it on. Mm-hmm. And basically their assets are signed away. And I'm, I'm, I'm summing this up real quick. They're, okay. They sign away their assets. And then the, the woman, then they take the guardian off and the woman is left homeless and broke. I mean, that's, <sighs> that's the summary of it. You know, there's the multitude of women I know. They each will give you a, a you know, a long uh, editorial of how they, what they did. But, uh, and in my case, you know, I had raised fraud. I filed petitions for fraud and it had attached records. There was no dispute. It wasn't hearsay. I had records you know, I had witnesses that contacted me with, gave me sworn statements. I had a lot of different records and they didn't know how to overcome this. So of course, ex-husband's attorney files a guardianship. And I'll tell you what, you know, he actually had the audacity to say at a hearing, he said, she can't read English. Well, I can read English since first grade, like most of us learned back in our day to read it by first grade. She can't read English, therefore she needs a guardian. Well, I think that would be quite interesting for him to make that remark in today's political climate. So this was back in uh, 2014. But, you know, fast forward here, you know, seven years later, you know, with all the people coming over our border, how about people that are dyslexic? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there could be all sorts of, but I can tell you, I read English. Reading and writing has nothing to do um, with guardianship. Uh, I raised five children. They're all, uh, all college. Well, one of them is in the third year of college, but they're all, two of them went to grad school. Um, one of them's a Harvard grad. I, <laughs> I promise wow. you, I can, I can read English. I had to do all this legal work myself and I'm just saying, and then they refiled it again, by the way, uh, the judge I happened to have, uh, and I don't think, um, I think it was more that I had two people with me at the time. Um, and they could not, mm-hmm. I had an attorney with me. And then I had another person, uh, also legally, um, educated, uh, the judge just couldn't do it because, there was no way they were going to get away with that here. And I'm the homemaker mom, by the way, who was holding down the fort. I had to self-represent myself for a substantial amount of time through my family court litigation. I'm raising all these kids that are, you know, profoundly gifted (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. you know, they're all, they were all excellent students and they're going to try and, uh, you know, act as if I'm incompetent where I'm the one, holding down the fort, paying the bills in this house, mm-hmm. taking care of everything on every front. And, you know, my youngest child is, is um, a special needs child. You know, he's, he's in the autistic spectrum. Uh, anyone who hasn't raised a child like that, well, my son is wonderful. He's brilliant, excellent. But he did have um, a lot of extra needs that a typical student, you know, 
or mm -hmm. a typical child may not have. And it takes a lot of, it's, it's very strenuous on a person. So, you know, it could be mm -hmm. like taking care of two children. Anyway, right. one, so now if that wasn't enough, so now my ex-husband's attorney went and refiled that petition again. I don't have it in front of me six months or a year later the court did not entertain it the second time he had the audacity to go out and hire some psychiatrist to write an assessment of me and the way he did they just paid him money that i never met the person i was never evaluated never spoke with him he just oh, hired some fraud yeah just hired some and the doctor said this doctor says right on the front page, it is not ethical for me to be writing a re an evaluation on somebody I never saw or met, but just the same, you know, for X amount of dollars, I suppose. And um, he just, he said he was going to base the assessment on, you know, it was the cherry picked things that my ex-husband's attorney gave him from court. So mm -hmm. like, in other words, now, if you're the loser in a court, if you're the one that doesn't win in, in a petition or, you know, something now, all of a sudden that's a new standard for determining you're incapacitated. Like that would make half the people in the country who got divorced incapacitated, you know, the winner oh and the loser. Oh my God. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just saying this is a horrible thing. And there's a, I think there's a lot more, uh, everyone that I know of was a woman who they did this to they were all the profile seemed to be middle-aged women who were dependent spouses like a homemaker mom and they would be coming into a divorce settlement maybe receive alimony or child support and things like that and in order to prevent that from happening they would take guardianship of them and mm -hmm. uh you know they'd end up being forced out of their own houses they'd lose any support money and all of that sort of stuff. It was all financially based. So I think there's a lot more women that this happens to that are probably ashamed and embarrassed to talk about. Mm -hmm. You know, think about that. Uh, one of the women who um, told me about her situation, she actually told a friend of hers when it had happened uh, that she bumped into an acquaintance. And she realized after she told the person, the person must have been thinking there's something wrong with her. Uh, you know, you think you're telling on the court or, or whoever filed this, and they don't see it that way. They say, oh, well, you must have done, there must be something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, this is horrible. Um, so, yeah, that kind of, that's kind of it. But I'm just, now, I don't know the standard in every state. Uh, I'm talking mm -hmm. in Pennsylvania. So there's specific laws and uh, it's just horrible what they're doing. But anyway, then the other, so I'd like to move on with some of the other things, you know, with that I didn't touch on, which were be, unless you have any questions that is with that guardianship. Well, it's like the guardianship. This reminds me of the Victorian era. Yeah. You know, when a guy would uh, divorce his wife and put her into an insane asylum. Yeah. Yes. They've turned the clocks back. That this is exactly what they've done. They've mm -hmm. turned. Well, I don't know if they ever turned the clocks back. Maybe we just weren't paying attention, you mm -hmm. know, because many of the uh, legal matters, they have sort of evolved. It's not that they necessarily went away because I was 
on another program and it, this came up and when I was speaking about um, how they had ordered away my constitutional rights um, and that this is like a return of a rebranded, I call it Dred Scott, who was a former black slave and they didn't have rights to go to court. And that was his reason they wouldn't let him in the court. They said, well, you, you don't qualify. And I'm like, oh, all of a sudden, it's not like they came up with this new, it's all, all they redirected it. They redirect it like, who's your target now? Okay, so they're not mm -hmm. gonna get away with this anymore with, you know, um, the former uh, black slaves, but they were gonna use targeted towards other people. Mm -hmm. um, and this is true with several other um, subjects in the law. They're just targeting new people. Oh, we can't make money that way or, you know, keep take people's property rights in some way they just move it to another source uh so i think that's kind of uh what happened here where i don't think it ever they just used it differently they're mm -hmm. not maybe putting a, a woman a wife in an institution but they're just leaving you to perish mm -hmm. so they didn't lock you up why spend the money to lock you up <laughs> Right. Uh, just leave them with nothing to perish. And that's kind of uh, the way it went in my case. You know, hang oh. on. But anyway, um, I'd also like to touch on some of the collateral issues. So a lot of people, I'm not the only one, they go through the divorce, they may be left with nothing. Um, and then you have these collateral issues because you have a lot of these greedy attorneys who when you in hindsight you look back and they really did nothing for you you just kept paying them and some of them make your problems even worse uh then they start suing you now i had one attorney who sued me who i never even hired i never hired him never had a contract with him he worked at some law firm that i had paid in full and then the law firm broke up at some point. I don't know when they broke up because I had already discharged them. But this attorney, a few years later, sues me. And he just sues me for the bill that I already paid to that law firm. He wrote up a bunch of other phony billing. And the court just says, oh, okay. He says he has a bill here. And this judge goes on to tell a jury not to pay attention to my evidence. I had proof that I paid the law firm. The attorney said he never had a contract with me, no writing, no nothing. Yet the judge is saying, don't worry about that. Now think about this. Any, the attorney could potentially just send everybody in the telephone book a bill. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he could just open right. up two people. And you know, this court's just saying, well, you know, that sounds good. And if you could believe, they actually gave this guy a large judgment against me. And he came and had the sheriffs take five, six armed sheriffs come to my house with a locksmith. So if you don't let them in your house, uh, they'll take your door off or your, your, your doorknob. Takes all the property out of my house illegally because you're not allowed to take someone's property. You can sell it if you have a judgment and they have a sheriff's sale anyone who shows up at your home to buy oh here's your sofa your tv your your um you know your chair anything your bed or whatever but nobody had come
they just hauled my stuff away, spent five hours hauling all my stuff away. And, um, and they said, well, you still have this judgment on you. And, uh, and I took all the legal remedies you could take, whatever was out there I attempted. And then, um, finally, um, and I appealed it and the appeals court, um, denied me. So an attorney without a contract, um, who I never hired, who, um, used a phony bill and I, and the court would not let me, uh, accept he would, they wouldn't let the jury use my proof that I paid. So this guy gets the judgment, takes all my property. I try to appeal and the appeals court, uh, they just deny it. Then this attorney went even further. Then he, well, actually before he did this, I started doing some research and I wanted to find out, well, what happened to my property? He just had it sent. He had it delivered to a storage center. The storage center was about, it was smaller than this, any one bedroom in my house. So he takes property from my whole house. Uh, I have five children, so you can, so I have five bedroom sets and six, well actually making six oh my of mine, uh, a dining room, living room, a, a playroom, a den. I have, you know, a, a decent sized house, cleans out my whole house and is trying to make people believe he put all this property into a 200 square foot room. I went to that place in person and looked at it and it was impossible. It was like uh, two big, it was like two closets the size of the, so he, he just had my, and he didn't pay the bill. So then the storage center auctioned it all off to pay his oh bill. So oh he, he just, he basically just robbed my house. It was just mm -hmm. to intimidate me and you know um you know to bully me around then he went and had hired another attorney had my house put up for sale on a sheriff's sale without notifying the mortgage company or any of the other creditors he just was going to sell have my house sold behind the back of everyone and um i found out about it and then i went and filed whatever i had to file and, you know, after I filed all my stuff, he still, he was really determined. And finally, I had to end up filing something called a writ of prohibition at the Commonwealth Court. And it was against the Sheriff's Department because the Sheriff's Department didn't have a court order. They didn't have proper affidavits that are required by law. And the Sheriff didn't want to get in trouble. So, a that same day that the sheriff received my um, writ of prohibition from the Commonwealth Court, I get notified that the house is off the is off the market. You know, they were going to just sheriff my house behind the back of everyone. This is an outrage, and there just doesn't seem to be anybody who will take any kind of action. You can report these attorneys. You could do anything you want, and they have their uh, disciplinary board there as their uh, lookout squad. The only time I find that these disciplinary boards take action is if the attorney is the person who steps on the toes of the court system or judicial system. That's about the only time. But when they're 
when a new person is actually like a, a former client or a client reports their uh, attorney, nothing seems to happen to them, no matter what they do. Um, so mm -hmm. then there was also another law firm and uh, that was pretty bad as well. Another law firm, uh, I paid them a lot of money to uh, help me with my shareholder action that the family court was working around the clock to swindle me out of. And the, the uh, companies that I was half owner to with my ex-husband were based in Delaware over the border, just uh, about 45 minutes from my house. So this law firm was supposed to assist me with that. And, you know, while I was paying them, they seemed to be trying to help me at the end of it. They really did nothing for me. Not one thing. They didn't advance the case in any way. No discovery. They received all the discovery from me through my divorce um, action. And um, then they said they were going to withdraw if I didn't give them a huge amount of money when they knew I didn't have the ability. And they had been sitting on my case without payment for like more than two and a half years and accepted that. They could have withdrawn two and a half years prior. They didn't. Instead, they just kept letting the tab, you know, they were churning more bills when my case was on a stay. Well, then they ended up withdrawing. They said that they weren't, uh, if there's any kind of outstanding bill, they were going to just discharge it. That's not what they did. I find out seven oh. months later, Seven months later, I find out from some court notice that they basically disguised a lawsuit using a shell company. A law firm owns their own debt collection company. So typically, a law firm would sue you if they have a bill that's owed to them. They're not suing. What they're doing is they, it's their own debt collector. It's their lawyers that are the president and they're staffed with it. It's in their office. So their accounts receivable is basically incorporated. Now, they're allowed to operate that way as long as they comply with the debt collection laws, but they're not doing that. They are operating by their own testimony, unregulated. They said they never validate bills. And here's the thing. If a law firm sent, says, we're suing you, you can dispute it. You can counter sue. If a debt collector sues you for a bill, you cannot dispute the bill itself. And the other thing that happens with the law firm is they gave out all my attorney client privileged records to their debt collector, which is them themselves. So they're just saying, they are saying what they did was circumvent that law with attorney client privilege by them opening up company and calling that company their accounts receivable department they can give out your attorney client privilege records and think about if you went to a doctor had a blood test for something uh you didn't pay the bill whatever it is the doctor might turn it to a collector if you don't pay the collector doesn't go giving out your blood results the you know your test results the doctor would just be saying oh no she owes x amount of dollars for this test and didn't pay it but when you have the law firm and they own their own debt collection company they're giving they have an agreement with themselves between their own self that they can give out your attorney client privilege records number one to use against you 
and they're not going to comply with any of the fair debt collection. The other um, thing that they do is sue you for what they call zombie debt, debt that's so old. A law firm could just sit on this, collect bills, not you know, make demands on you. And then years later, the debt is considered too old to sue for, and they're suing you. They, they can sue you for fraudulent debt. I was sued for fraudulent fraudulent debt. I have a transcript where it identifies that uh, some judge said my case was over three years prior. They were bit, writing up phony bills for almost three years when a case was over. You get sued. You can't do anything. You go to the appeals court and the appeal court doesn't base anything on the facts or the laws. While at the same time, the Federal Trade Commission has told me uh, you know, there an attorney there actually told me all these different things that I'm explaining are, are violations and you cannot go to the attorney general. The attorney general, number one, receives um, campaign money from mm -hmm. these law firms. They're not going to step on the toes of their campaign donors. And then they also have an excuse in Pennsylvania that once there's a legal action, they don't get involved. Well, have, has anyone considered, if, think about that. Anybody who's a criminal, um, you know, anybody, all they have to do is have an action and now the attorney general can't get involved. So if, if there's, if someone, if a pharmacy company deliberately puts poison in medicine and as long as they get sued, the attorney general can't get involved, it doesn't make sense. There, no, it does not. I, 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 thought, mean, I thought they were supposed to get involved and be aware that there is an action going on. Yeah. They specifically say, and I have it in my book, they won't get involved with uh, anything once there's a legal action. So most people, when something occurs, there is a legal, there ends up being some sort of legal action. Uh, I just remember years ago on the news watching where there was a pet store and they were selling pets. Um, you know, and a lot of them were sick and they, you know, I don't know if they knew or didn't know. And people started suing them. You know, they want their money back. Uh, and the attorney general was involved with that. So what I'm pointing out is it looks very suspicious here. Um, it invites crime. There's no protections for people. And I'll tell you what, when I appealed, uh, I lost on my appeals. I was not permitted to countersue or defend myself when the law firm sued me. They said I wasn't allowed to um, countersue because the debt collector I never had any prior relationship with. So, and there is something called cross-claim when someone, a third party is kind of taken over for the original creditor, but they wouldn't let me. I wasn't allowed to defend myself, which was relevant when I say defend myself you you have defenses why didn't you pay this bill well maybe it's fraudulent maybe you don't have the income maybe you're on disability there's a lot of different reasons that you could defend yourself with um, and some of them are considered legal and then other things are like what you would call a relevant factor but um, the judge in that case said well you could sue them yourself independently which you know, a lot of people don't have that ability or have the time or I did sue them myself. A judge comes in, a, it's a different judge. The judge ends up just 
dismissing a case on what's called summary judgment. You cannot dismiss a case on summary judgment unless all the material facts are not disputed. When there's still disputes outstanding, like you file your suit against someone and then they respond. And if everything is not resolved after they answer, then the suit proceeds. This judge dismissed it. And I also had what's called discovery outstanding. So I had filed a motion to compel, to force the discovery. Mm -hmm. The judge dismissed it on summary judgment when the two relevant points were contra mm -hmm. you know, contradicted completely the law. The law is if there's material disputes of fact that are still out there, or if there's a motion to compel discovery. And of course, it turns out that that judge, um, it turns out that her, the law firm that she worked for before she became a judge was on, was she worked at the law firm from my, the other side of my case. Um, so there was a conflict of interest of with interest, the judge. Yeah. It, yeah. it always, you know, so it always happens like that. And she also has, um, it's also on record that she's also bi a biased judge. It's, she was supposed to, I know she had been nominated for a federal judge and then back years ago, President Clinton had to withdraw her name because it became public knowledge. She was biased and discriminated and things like that. Well, wow. anyway, I went and appealed that suit as well. When I sued, when I appealed that, um, and I did have an attorney that came in with the appeals end of it. Uh, they did not even notify the attorney of the decision. And this was just in March. So now you have the court violating their own rules where they are required, they call it internal operating procedures. So under 65.2A2, the court, the prothonotary is required to notify you when a court issues a decision. And by them not notifying, they waived my rights to proceed further. So if mm -hmm. you want to for reconsideration, if you want to file an appeal at the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania. So they're busy waiving my rights. There's no oversights. Who do you go to? You know, who's mm -hmm. that the Ghostbusters? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, this is the kind of stuff. They will not uh, follow the law. And um, oh. I'll tell you what, a lot of these judges, listen, in my book, I show, I have two letters from two different Supreme Court justices admitting, notifying me that they received gifts or contributions while they're sitting on my appeals, which they did not rubber stamp denied. And they were straightforward appeals error of law, not discretionary matters. Well, as it turns out, most people think you cannot sue a judge. Well, they are, they have all that immunity. However, um, there is something called the Hobbs Act. And under that Hobbs Act, it's, it, you know, prevents uh, different um, people in authority, including these judges. Uh, it, when they, okay, I'll read you uh, this Hobbs Act. It's under 18 USC 1951. 18 is a criminal under the United States. Okay, it says is, uh, 
the Hobbs's extortion and an offense committed by a public official who took by color of his office money that was not due to him for the performance of his official duties in the equivalent of what the Supreme Court describes as taking a bribe. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in other words, the short of it is if they're receiving money, I don't care if you call it a gift, the, the Supreme Court looks at a gift as a bribe. Mm -hmm. When they're taking money to do an act while they're on the bench, and it's not an official duty that you would do on the bench, it's considered also extortion when a person is going to lose their property. You know, whether it's money, whether it's your, doesn't have to be your house, some sort of your property. These judges actually, you know, if you had somebody who would fight for you, they can, some of them can be sued under the Hobbs Act when they're receiving, if you have proof. Mm -hmm. And I believe I have the proof uh, that there was a robbery here. Uh, I'm so sorry that things, happened to you. Yeah. I mean, this is just, it is time and time again. And um, I'll tell you what, there's also another law that I'm writing an article for uh, a paper uh, on 18, which is also criminal, USC 2071. That's concealment, removal, or mutilation of records and reports. It generally carries fines, imprisonment, and disqualification of office, which is for any government officer of the court usurping their sworn legal duty to abide by federal law. Well, anybody out there getting child support, if anyone's tampered with the computer system, you know, intentionally, not an error that they correct, but if they mess with the records, they are subject to this law because child support, unlike custody, unlike divorce or alimony, uh, has same subject federal regulations and laws. So mm -hmm. I, I already raised a lot, I think last time about the tampering with the computer system where they put phony entries, more than a half a million dollars into the system, knowingly, deliberately, they will not correct it. Um, and there's a whole list of people who I have gone to asking for correction. They won't get out. They won't do anything to it, get it corrected. And I'll tell you what, a bunch of them are running for political offices now. Um, oh, my God. Yes, a couple of them are running for governor. Yeah. Uh, I even went to the U.S. Attorney's Office. Mm. The, former, the U.S. Attorney at the Eastern District. Yep. Uh, he has just stepped down, I guess, in January, because when there's a change of administration, typically the U.S. attorneys throughout the country, uh, they end up losing their position if it's, you know, a change of administration. So anyway, yeah, he's running and he has my records from July of 2020 that uh, I sent to his paralegal when re they requested it. Uh, did nothing. I find out there's conflict. Uh, where ex one of ex-husband's attorney, his law firms, hosted some sort of party in May, and the U.S. attorney was the guest. So, you know, there's no question in my mind, the appearance is certainly there. Mm -hmm. not, not to mention that the original judge who wrote the order is, is married to a federal judge who the U.S. attorney used to work for. 
clerk for. So there's too many dots to be connected. There's conflicts here. Uh, one of our commissioners is running for governor. I have gone countless times in writing. Uh, I have televised, um, there's televised archives on the computer for the commissioner meetings. I went for over two years, mm -hmm. raised this issue. Uh, it's on camera. They will not, they're continued the commissioners, I call them crime missioners. <laughs> right. Like they, they continue to fund the court, fund and you know whatever involvement they have with the domestic relations, knowing that there's a falsification of the computer system uh, and tampering with the system. They will. They have done nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, another county commissioner. She is. She announced her candidacy for U.S. Senate. So, two of the commissioners right now in my county, one announced for announced her candidacy for governor, the other for U.S. senator. For years, they know about this crime, and they they may not be able to physically change the computer themselves, but they're funding, they're paying the people who they know are breaking the law. That's where the problem is. So, um, and the U.S. attorney took no action. And it really falls under what I think is uh, the False Claims Act when you're stealing money from the government because the state gets this matching Title IV-D money mm -hmm. from the, the grants from the federal government based on child support collections and disbursements. So when they collect from the support payer and then the disperse it to the uh, person, parent, guardian, who's taking care of the children. And everyone's aware that there's money that went into the system. In my case, it was $550,000, money that was never collected or dispersed to me, yet the state gets the uh, matching funding from the federal government. And the governor is in charge of that contract. The governor is in charge of the Title IV-D contract, has done nothing to correct it, get it corrected, um, and now at least two, a uh, county commissioner and the US, former U.S. attorney is running for governor, have done nothing about this. Um, you know, it's just outrageous. So none of these people are even qualified to be running because under 18 U.S.C. 2071, they know the records in my case were mutilated, falsified, tampered, any, you know, whatever label you want to put in there. And it says that they're disqualified from their office and forfeit their office. They're no longer qualified to even run. They should be forfeiting their office. Nobody, know, most people don't know about this. You could not, it's really a shame because there's, the law is so expansive. No average person even knows the typical rights you have walking into the courtroom with a divorce. They don't even know the very simple uh, elementary laws, let alone these other laws that apply. And they're, it's really excessive. There's even a law 5 CFR 2635.101. And I'll email them to you if you want them. It's the basic obligation of a public service. I mean, they have lots lots of leeway. If you call the wrong office, okay, 
there's laws in place that give the wrong, you know, if it's the, per, the wrong office that doesn't have direct ability to make corrections for you, they have abilities under other laws to ensure that it gets to the right place or that they can report it. And everyone's turning a blind eye. And that so, is five five CFR two six three five point one zero one. Correct. Basic obligation of public service. So I can read it to you. It says um, public service is a public trust, and I believe this falls under the executive uh, department, which would be let's say the president. And I don't know if it would apply to the governor, but the governor in a state is the executive office. It just says each employee has a responsibility to the United States government and its citizens to place loyalty to the constitution, laws, and ethical principles above private gain. And this is to ensure that every citizen can have complete confidence in the integrity of the federal government. Each employee shall respect and adhere to the principles of ethical conduct set, set forth in the section. And it just gives a list of different, um, you know, things, uh, you know, various things. You can look it up and you'll see mm -hmm. all the specifics. And I'll bet there's a whole lot of people out there who, you know, some of these provisions, you know, there might be at least one of them that applies to their case. I mean, at what mm -hmm. point, when, when did the Constitution die and leave the judiciary the kings? You know, when? When did that happen? Um, you know, I had read some other stuff uh, this um, from a couple hundred years ago or whenever there was this guy, John Locke, and he, I guess he was a writer and he was involved somewhat with politics in some way. He says, wherever law ends, tyranny begins. And I think that we are there full force right now. Wherever law ends, tyranny begins. And I believe it's not just for, you know, family court matter. It's, it's in everything and anything. Uh, every decision that was made in my case runs contrary to existing and fundamental laws. You know, and I'd like to know where my reparation, where's our reparations? Where are our reparations, you know, where we were uh, just trampled on, ignored? And um, in my case, they, the court has the ability, they have the ability to remedy my entire case mm -hmm. uh, in order to wait child support. Um, they didn't follow the guidelines, they didn't follow the rules. They didn't use the income in our uh, family. They uh, didn't apply the there's applicable laws. Anybody out there? Uh, Klein versus Widener in Pennsylvania. This is Pennsylvania now. In Pennsylvania, Klein versus Widener. When there's fraud involved, you got proof of fraud, you can get yourself triple damages. It's not just for child support. I should say it's for family court as well. In family court, whether it's divorce, child support. Uh, there's Krebs versus Krebs in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Krebs, that goes back to the beginning when you're a fraud, goes back, turns the clock back in child support. There was fraud, you're entitled to go back from the very beginning, doesn't matter if it's three years, five years, 10 years. There's a case, Johnson versus Johnson. If you happen to have a special needs child 
Um, I can't, it, there, there is a specific guideline for that special needs. It has to do with employability. If you have a child who is not gainfully employable when they're graduating high school, they can get extended or continued child support. Uh, if, you, if you're going to object to your child being emancipated, that means no longer being able to receive child support because they're either 18 or they've graduated high school and you file, you can object to an emancipation. There's a case, uh, it's, uh, they use initials a lot of times now with, it involves children. So the initials were MRA versus AS 509, that's in Pennsylvania. That was a case where it involved someone objecting to the emancipation and their case was reinstated. These are very relevant cases, but the courts are ignoring their own case law. And it's really seems to be unreasonable that the courts don't just look at a case, your own facts and apply it to the law. They hold you to an additional standard of proving why you should be entitled and you have to go find somebody else's case and say, well, Mr. Jones got this or Miss Smith got this. You know, that's ridiculous. That is absolutely crazy to me, but they do it. And even when you have the case law, you have the facts, the law and the case law, the court is rubber stamp denying one side. Um, and I, somebody who I had spoken to say, said, Marianne, that this is basically called Operation Zero. Mm -hmm. It's predetermined. One side is going to get zero and the other side is the winner. Uh, and it's all planned in advance and there, there's some internal papers that we never see ourselves. So there's certain little codes they write on some of the papers where mm -hmm. the attorneys may know what it is. I don't know enough about it at this point, but I'm just putting that out there. So if anyone has any self doubt, now there's a lot of unscrupulous, illegal stuff going on. And I just, at this point, I don't have the answer. The only one thing I could say is if everyone joined forces together, mm -hmm. everyone who has a book out there, you know, we got to really join forces and get it out there to everyone. Silence is golden for the, the court system. Um, you know, nobody hearing about it, knowing about it, lets it continue. And um, when you're by yourself, it's united we stand, divided we fall. So I, you know, I suggest to a lot of people, boycott the court if you can. Don't give them your business. It's nothing more than a business. Just stay out when you can. I tried to. I was drafted. Uh, and I have to be honest, the only time that I took any action was when I had no, no recourse. No, it was the only option that I had. But uh, this is just, it's, it's really a shame that most people don't want to hear anything that have had anything to do that stem from divorce. They write it off as, oh, you have a domestic problem with your spouse or ex-spouse. And, and that's not the case because when you have 
a family court proceeding, it is a big uh, free for all for a lot of court system people, the attorneys, experts, they come on in and they just clean you out and anything they can't get from you, they will turn around and also sue you and take out, try to take anything from you from your future. And, and, and when they use that child support computer system, you're looking at potential life in prison because that would be under, fall under contempt where there's really no guidelines. Uh, you could be a person who is on disability, uh, living on the taxpayers, and that uh, they can hold you to paying out all kinds of money for child support that you don't have, mm. and just put you in prison. Even though the guide, even though to be held in contempt, it's really supposed to be willful that you have the ability and are making a choice not to. But in Pennsylvania, well, certainly in Montgomery County that's not the standard they're using and oh one more uh thing i thought i'd let you know also is that uh i know the acl has sued our court <laughs> just about a week ago they're getting sued. Uh, it's it really is applying for the criminal division but just thought i put that out there we have all sorts of problems here in montgomery county so any questions well. <laughs> well you know what i've got to have you back on because you are a yeah. wealth of information um you know we could definitely go yes. into these cases you said klein versus wagner wagner uh, uh wagner w e i d n e r gotcha. i don't have the year written down here klein versus wagner that has to do with the fraudulent transfer act if you can in that case one side proved the other side didn't turn over uh, or didn't disclose assets that were should have been available for uh, determining, uh, I think it was the child support, maybe, hold on, I think it was child support, maybe it's divorce, I think it was the child support though, yeah, well, I, and I also want to say, I'm not an attorney, this is all research, going mm -hmm. through everything, you know, I'm not an attorney, but I, there's nothing wrong with putting the information out there, mm -hmm. it's not about advising any particular case i don't know anybody's case or you know right. doesn't apply no one size fits all <laughs> right right and you said krebs versus krebs that's also fraud in child support yeah that one goes where that's that says where you can go back to the beginning of your child support case you can go back as far as the beginning of your case it doesn't mean you get new child support from the beginning it means if if you can show that there uh, was some fraud there. It goes as far back to the beginning. Uh, a lot of times you go to domestic relations, well, we're not going back past one year. Well, if you have some sort of fraud going on that you can prove, mm -hmm. it can go back to the very beginning of the case. And the conference officer won't tell you that. They don't. And I spoke with that attorney who did the case, by the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's from right in my general area. The attorney who did that Krebs case, uh, his, his, he's, he's married to Mrs. The former Mrs. Krebs. Yeah. So. Boy, that's really, you know, <laughs> there's so much fraud going on that um, things that are not disclosed by the opposing party when they should have disclosed them. And uh, once they're found out, then they just curl up into a ball and then it just gets swept under the carpet. Yeah. 
and you know and the courts you know they don't want to they don't want to go backwards once they already awarded one side and i'll tell you what uh in my case somebody's going to have to convince me otherwise about just the five million alone that my ex-husband paid out um that he that was back in 2012 so now we're up to 2021 i don't even know over the last eight nine years how much more he paid out somebody better convince me otherwise because when you don't apply any fact any law you can't have a homemaker mom of five children okay who mm. uh, and and give a hundred percent of the assets to the one the husband and the mother left with zero you can't and then you can't have a husband who makes four and a half million dollars a year and then the kids not all the kids are left on basically welfare um you know my kids were not on welfare but the child support was such a small amount that if they didn't raise it by a couple dollars a month uh the, you know the, the what is it a department of human services would have taken over the case that's how dire it was and then they ended up cutting my son off of child support when he was in high school a minor child and he's a special needs kid and everybody knew it um because they dragged my kids through the court with all that horrible custody litigation for the father who didn't even want to see his own children i mean he said it with his own mouth his own words and uh, it was all about making the money running up the bills so you know i i'm really sympathetic to anybody out there who's gone through what i've gone through uh and just you know boy if if anybody hears it it's it's unfortunate that most people learn stuff after the fact mm -hmm. if we only knew <laughs> in advance uh so you know uh, i'm just saying and I, you know i remind people these judges they're they a lot of them do not have any conscience they have none and or they're not they're unfit uh the judge who was on my divorce trial he fell asleep on mm -hmm. the bench during my trial i think i mentioned this before mm -hmm. i mean come on and and then this judge had had the audacity to say at one proceeding he's saying he has a drawer of weapons he he, he actually it's in a transcript i mean you just can't believe this stuff unless you read it you know with your own eyes or you witness this says, i have a drawer of weapons here i have weapons and to the extent i have to use the weapons what was he saying was he saying he was going to shoot me with a gun or maybe he had a knife or or pepper spray um yeah he oh. says as i said there are all kinds of weapons i have here <laughs> oh my I gosh mean, this, this is in this you can't believe this stuff unless you go through it so boy anyone listening folks this is real this is right. real i hope i hope they somebody will i hope they take a look at my book i i try to put it on whatever promotions i can whenever they're available to do these free promotions i'm hoping people will look at it use it as um some information think of it mm -hmm. as someone someone a friend just sitting down telling their story it doesn't mean it will happen to you but boy this is happening to mm -hmm. enough people enough right, people right. i can't tell you the percentage but i could tell you it's a lot of people mm -hmm. um, and you want to like you know it's it's a real ugly rude awakening mm -hmm. and just make sure you know to protect yourself in the future yeah, and, until it happens to you and yeah.
Your book again is called Court Gate, the Courts, and that's with a dollar sign, divorced <laughs> from the law. So if you go into Amazon, go into Kindle, and then you can get the book today for I free. Don't think, I don't think you have to go to Kindle. I think you could just go to Amazon and there's a search bar. Just type in the search bar, Court Gate, the Courts Divorced from the Law. It'll come up, you click on it, and when you look on the page, you know, you go down, it looks to me like it's a little bit on the right. They have like some like ovals, color, colored in ovals, and you can click on it. And I know that the one, one of them is for Kindle. That's for Kindle members, which it's always free. But the other oval is if you're not a Kindle member, uh, and it will say buy with a click. Well, it's very misleading because it says zero and has, it's, it says the cost is zero. The amount is crossed out, the dollars, the amount that it would cost. So it's for free today. And I'll put it back on promotion again. I'm just not sure when I'm allowed a certain amount of days in a certain period of time. So, but it is for free on Kindle today. That's the ebook. And you can read it on computer, phone, whatever your device is. And certainly anyone with Kindle can read it anytime for free if they're a member. I'm so glad I had you back on and uh, I'm going to have you back on again. <laughs> so uh, we've learned so much from you. So I totally thank you, Elaine. Okay. Thank you. Salam the Gavels, a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Join us again here with Elaine and other guests. And I thank you again, Elaine. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>